0: Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts Podcast. Listen in as Mindy, Keith, and their guests take a deep dive into their own minds and souls to investigate the beauty of imperfection, challenge their beliefs, and embrace the richness of living a truly authentic life. Welcome to Chasing Thoughts. Hello and welcome to Chasing Thoughts. I'm here with Keith, of course, and today our guest is Angela. Welcome, Angela. Hi, everybody. It's so nice to have you on the show. Thank you for spending an hour with us. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So why don't we start out with you kind of giving us just a recap of what your story is and what sort of made you the human that is here today having this discussion with us. Absolutely. Uh, Really, my my journey uh, to
1: awareness or intention really started a long time ago in that I really struggled. The one thing I wanted to be when I grew up was a mom, and it took me a good long while for that to work, Uh, but it also came with a lot of uh, pain and and grief. Uh, We um, had to go through a lot of fertility treatments, but also uh, lost a son uh, at nine months birthside, And then uh, now we have 11 year old triplets. So we have come full circle uh, in the world of parenting, but it has been a really long journey. And uh, that really, I feel like that has truly defined me as a person. And then ha- obviously as a mother also. So that is really where my, I feel like the, the, uh, the climax of my story starts uh, is at that point where uh, we, we really struggled and went through as much as we did.
0: Yeah. My sister was very similar. She always just dreamed of being a mom, wasn't able to get pregnant, eventually was able to adopt, but the journey through all of that was just so incredible and I don't think that that's something that we talk about quite enough in this culture. I so agree with you. And that was gonna be one of the things I talked about today was just the the
1: idea that we, I think that there's so much in our society that says, this is your role as a woman. This is your job as a woman. You're, you are here to birth, raise, you know, whatever your tribe. And when that doesn't go very well, you feel that an, there's an inferiority piece to it. Um, I know what, when I was going through my struggle, my journey, I would ask the women in my family, what, what did you do? How did this work for you? And I got so many comments uh, from so many members of my family that this was easy for me. So I didn't really have that that issue and there wasn't a lot of there's so much more availability of talking now there's so much more communication venues and, and channels now but it was it was hard to find a common a common ground with people so I completely agree and the emotions are so all over the place you're grieving and um, working and acting all at the same time so it is it's a it's a it's a big process.
0: Yeah, I think that's one really cool thing about the internet is that it's allowed us to connect with people who are more on our specific path, whether we're struggling with ADHD or infertility or whatever it is. You used to feel very alone in the world, but now you can find a group or a forum and it's one way the internet's actually serving humanity, I think.
1: I so agree. And it it's it, social media as well, you know, that, that we're able to connect with people on a different level. Um, there's the other side of that same coin that there's a lot of bad information and bad connection make, made. But we we do have a great opportunity right now to be able to reach so many people just as we're having this conversation across the country. There are so many conversations that can happen around the world at the same time that it's, it's really, really Life giving. It really is cool.
0: Yeah. So I'd love to dive into grief a little bit with you. I would love it. Uh, I have personally realized that there's some areas of my life that I need to grieve for, and I am not sure how to do it. And it has been so interesting to me as I read books about grief and other cultures and how they experience grief, how. Grieving is really not addressed in American culture. <laughs> and so true. I think a lot of us don't know how to grieve. So I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. It sounds like it's something you knew really well and maybe we can some answers will arise <laughs> through our group conversation here for some folks. Absolutely. I would love that. Um
1: for me, I think the key the one thing that I saw so much in our particular journey and my particular journey was that grief is not, there is no destination. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I really found that was so profound for me was at the time that we lost our son, I thought so many people came to me and said, uh, you should be joining support groups you should be joining with other families that are in the same boat as you and I kept saying no I I don't want to be in the thick of it with them I want to work with people that have already gone through it that are on the other side and what has been become really clear to me is that there is no other side as if there's this place where you just reach this you you cross the finish line and you realize cool no more grief, woohoo, you know that's not really what happens, so you you get further away from the from the hurt, but it there's still really odd times when it'll flare up, and um truly and honestly, if I could give any advice to anybody about grief, it is to just be open and be willing to let the ebb and flow happen um. I sort of equate it to a, an ocean wave that there's going to be bigger waves and there's going to be smaller waves. But if you know where you stand, that you can be able to rock and be flexible with that, with that grief. But that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> but I'm starting there at least. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, it's so sad about that is I have never heard that before. And I just want to thank you for, ah, for cool. saying that Um, because everything in our society is about the destination. Even, even oh. like when they say it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Well, a journey has an end.
1: Correct. You know? And get there but, as fast as you possibly can. Right. I mean, hurry yeah. up because, and she certainly don't have big emotions for a really long time because that would oh, just yeah. be that much harder on everybody else. So yeah, absolutely.
2: And and then there's that that common thing with time. Time will lessen the the grief. But I because I always wondered my my wife, um, I've been lucky enough not to, to have lost too many people that have been very close to me. But my wife has lost um a lot. And there are times where she'll just, I mean, years later, just start tearing up, you know, I mean, just out of the blue. And it's so confusing to me. You know, I just don't understand it.
1: Yeah, I think that um what's been fascinating is that same concept for me keith and that is that um this year would have been our son's 16th birthday and i he 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 passed away at 9 months so we only had we didn't have a full year you know and mm-hmm. so when the the his his passing away anniversary is not something that i choose to remember but it my, my body remembers it i can't Choose not to remember it. It just happens. I start to feel more sluggish. I start to um, want more comfort in other ways. Um, I start to look for funny, weepy movies to watch. You know those kinds of things. And so I totally can relate to your wife's ebb and flow, her 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 circle uh, that she follows, because it is it, it just happens to be that way. And. Like I said, our not our nine months is only three months away from his birthday. So we have this really tight window um, and Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the fun things are in there too. So it is this really tight window. I really, really resonate with that um, in that it is just constantly moving through um, every day and every minute and sometimes every second, just as you can, absolutely.
2: And I loved what you said too about how your body remembers. Oh. That that it, I think is it's I never understood until I read it um I believe in a book called The Body Keeps the Score where our our Yes. we remember oh, such a great book, right? Yeah, um, I haven't
1: read it yet. Oh, I got it oh. just before Christmas and the reason I got it was because of this journey. So I I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just really excited oh. to talk about that that book but I haven't started it yet
2: so I have to still do it <laughs> oh yeah it's such a great but there's so many things and, and it was one of the parts it was talking about how parts of our brain remember differently so when we start feeling emotion and you know I'm feeling depressed or I'm having anxiety he said it might not be that you're having anxiety it, it could be that your body is remembering and I've never heard that before
1: that's so cool and you don't You don't know you're remembering. It doesn't feel the same way. It was, I was just talking to somebody the other day. Not that this has anything to do with what we're talking about, but the, the idea that you have anxiety around hunger, most people will feel hangry, you know, that, that scritchy feeling that they feel when they get hungry and that it doesn't feel like regular hunger. It feels like you want to rip somebody's head off. And so there's this, this, push and pull where we have to really be um, with ourselves. We have to really be present and we have to be okay with the fact that this is going to be hard. This is going to be painful. Uh Uh-oh, here comes another big wave kind of thing. And so to your point, Mindy, I really feel like you're you're dealing with it more than you think you are because it doesn't have that Sit down and let's grab a box of Kleenex and have a good cry kind of moment it's not that it's it may not be that way it may be a very step by step a very um I guess calm is the word I want process for you that you can work through as you go there may be hard moments but they it may not be what you have perceived that it may supposed to look like if that makes any sense
0: Yeah. It's interesting because as I was watching my own thoughts, as you were talking, you said, grief, isn't a destination. And my thoughts said, damn it, (laughs) (laughs) please. Can it be? Yeah. And then as you continued to talk, my thoughts were like, of course, it's not like, that's what we're always finding in this show. And the more that I like dig into myself and other people, Everything is just the process, the journey, the experience of it. But man, it really made me realize that, you know, somewhere in my desire to grieve is really a desire to be done with it. That is really
1: powerful. Absolutely. And there's, there is that part of us, not just societally, but our human nature says, okay, so get done with the hard part, move on. And you can't do that. And what I've found too about parenting is that I do that even with my kids, you want to say, Oh, don't cry. It's okay. But that doesn't, that that's not helpful. I mean, that's not okay to tell them that it really is okay to have the emotions that they have, even if they're big and hard and whatever. And so that it's, it's kind of brought me closer to understanding it by seeing it through them as well. Um, we've told them multiple stories about their brother, and they know uh, from seeing him on videos and things like that, uh, but they, they still feel his presence, and so they, they understand that he's part of the family and that he's uh, you know part of our world and that kind of thing. And they are able to walk me through things that I can't see about myself. So I think that's cool too, to, to have that fellowship and be able to know each other, to be able to say, I think you might be having a moment and be able to, to, to read that back to another person is really cool to me. So I think even though to me, grief feels like a very lonely emotion. It makes you want to do something on your own or to hide from it, like we were just talking about, that it's this societally thing that we have to hurry up and get there. But there's so much beauty in allowing other people to help us see the perspective that we have and not just well, you should be happy that you had him at all. You know, that's not really helpful either and not really good perspective, but it's it, it when you can really help each other and really be able to see it is where I find the, the true beauty.
0: There was a couple things I loved about what you said. i made some notes. So first this part where your son is still a part of your life, I've been thinking more and more about love lately and recognizing this merging that happens when we really allow ourselves open-heartedly to love another person. And I read this story about how if you plant white roses next to red roses, over the years, the white roses will start to take on like a pinkish hue, right? There's like substance that is exchanged. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you said that so much because there was this exchange of substance, right? And I think that that sort of love, so many of us hold back in love because we're afraid of loss. But the truth is, the more we merge, the more that that person stays with us forever.
1: That's so beautiful, and I—that is so true too. I mean, it's um, that makes me think of of how we got the triplets. But that's so true in that you find your it's that old adage about the longer you spend with someone, the more you start to act like them and they start to act like you and that kind of thing in relationship. Um, but what, um, what I was thinking about with the triplets is that we adopted them as embryos. So mm-hmm. we did not adopt them as live birthed babies. Um, we adopted them as what we tell them they're seeds. And that they, I got to carry them, but we, they're not DNA genetically related to us. And, but there are so many things that they do, do and have done that are like us, that that pulls what you were just talking about into the equation too, that it just, it, it's all about that, that communion, you know, that, that relationship and being able to, to be together. That really is super cool. So I
0: love that. The other thing I loved about what you said is that your sons kind of call you out on it, or you have permission in a parent-child relationship for that to go both directions. Absolutely. And I have a 20-year-old, Keith, how old are your girls? They're in their tw- early 20s, right? Yeah, 27
2: and 26.
0: Yep. And... I know that my parents, and I think this was very common for that generation, was taught that the best way to parent was, I'm perfect. I don't ever struggle, right? And not Mm -hmm. ever put the burden Mm -hmm. on your kids of showing negative emotions. Right. And as a result, I think a lot of us grew up thinking, oh good, as soon as I'm an adult, I won't have any of this bullshit to deal with. I'll have it all figured out. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, That is
1: so real for me. I mean, I spent most of my childhood just dreaming about being a grown up because it just seemed easier, right I mean, like this is hard this all this transition and change and my body changing and all of those crazy things like I just want to get to that part where over there where all the grown ups seem like they have it all figured out, and that didn't happen either, so that was a huge i mean that's a huge adjustment when you realize, hmm, neat. <laughs> This is just as hard as it was when I was a little kid. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, we try really hard to be as open and be able to have emotions in front of them because to me, um, I don't want that cycle to continue. So I'm so with you there in that, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was six and each of them had other marriages after that. They went to their bedroom and had hard conversations. So they didn't even have a hard conversation in front of us. And so the first time I had a hard conversation with my husband, I thought, okay, well, we'll go ahead and call the lawyer. I thought there's no way we can recover from a hard conversation because those never happened in public. Like those never happened out in the rest of the house. You had to do those in the bedroom. And so those those kinds of moments, I'm so, so with you that are important in that just being able to say, this is a hard moment for mom this is a hard moment because of blank or i don't even know what's hard right now but if you can call it out that would be amazing um just be able to communicate those kinds of things is really hard and then for me on the back end of that is being able to say you know what i didn't realize 20 minutes ago that i was experiencing this I was having a grief moment. I was stressed. I was angry, but not at you, but it came out at you. I'm sorry. And that, that, I mean, all of those things are so critical. And again, not things we heard. We didn't hear, you know, we heard you do it because I'm telling you to do it. Not, I'm sorry that this is hard. You know, that's not, that's not what we heard. So it is, it's, it's gonna, it's, it takes time. I'm sure I'm not doing it very well, but I, I really hope that at least I'm, I'm doing it some better, right. That we're at least moving the needle. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: I love what you said too, about grief being a very lonely emotion. And then going into the bed, I that just brought me back to you know growing up where that, that's where all the hard conversations were had. So we almost also, as a society, we celebrate together, you know, family gatherings, holidays, you know, friends, but whenever there's something hard, we always separate ourselves right. and and almost sort of force also a loneliness, you know, on, right. onto ourselves.
1: Uh, I, I really experienced that firsthand too, Keith. When we lost our son, uh, my husband is an only child, and when he, we lost him, he really wasn't i mean even more so was not taught really how to handle emotions and so he withdrew and my natural tendency is to go forward and come toward people um and not and even in the grief where it's lonely and hard and you don't know how to explain it you don't know how to really express yourself i felt like a three-year-old chasing around a grown-up trying to get attention. And so that made that made for an interesting dynamic too. And I, I feel that in my soul when you say that. So um, I, I see you, Keith, (laughs) that was that's a hard one. I mean, it really is. That is, that's a, that's tricky to navigate, I feel like, because each person grieves differently. And depending on who they have lost, that grief will be different again. And so it. it we, we're going through this right now. My husband's mother passed away at the beginning of January, and that grief is different for him and for me than it was when we lost our son, but still grief. And so I think that is also another nuance to this is that grief is dependent on what you're talking about, and when you're talking about it, you know, if you, Mindy, had talked about your, the a, a traumatic event in your life, or something that you had lost, when it happened, that would be different than you talking about it now, in your heightened awareness, and your more intentionality, it just is so, again, a process, but it's, it's just constantly dynamic, and constantly moving, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't end the way it starts. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So
0: yeah, Keith, I'm curious with you. I know that, you know, you were in the service and then you became a citizen and then you had struggles with that. Did you try to hide that and be alone at first? And did it come out into the light and did that change the way that you dealt with it with your family and stuff?
2: Yeah. I I used to, um, be with my wife and kids watching TV, um, you know, at night, um, hanging out laughing and I would feel so lonely, surrounded by my family that I would have to separate myself. And I would go in my bedroom, close the door, turn off the lights and just lay there in the darkness and just feel completely alone. Um, And 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 there's still part of it. The more I work through rebuilding um, the identity that I lost when you, when you join the military, mm-hmm. I still struggle with, will I ever be able to find who I am? You know, I, I, I there's, there's t- some, some days I'm like, I'm on, I'm on track. And then there's other days um, where I'm just like, I, I don't know. You know, and that brings so much sorrow up, where I won't work on anything, and I'll do the same thing. I'll isolate again, and and what you were saying, like where grief is almost like a spectrum, and there's so many different layers, and I don't even know the right word to use because the way that you described it opened it up to such a nuanced thing, and it just made me remember, in in so many cultures word um things that are important to them they have a lot of words to describe that thing so um oh is it the in- inuit um
0: they have like 90 words for snow or something
2: yeah and then we have we have grief and and sorrow yeah
0: yeah, so, that's pretty much
1: it. Like you get two but, words, yeah. But yeah.
2: something that is so important and so nuanced, and you can, like you said, you can grieve for so many different things, and it'll all be a different feeling. Um, is just is is so is so amazing.
1: And I I felt like, um, like I said that there's even differences in who, what you've lost and yeah. what that feels like. Is it the loss of of an identity like you were describing? Is it the loss of a human? Is it the loss of a beloved pet? Um, the loss of security or safety? It, those kinds of things all, it's one word. How yeah. is that just one word? That's so powerful to hear you say that. And that is, we don't, but we don't have a lot for sad either. You know, we say, I'm sad, right. you know, we teach our kids, are you sad or are you happy? And that's it. Those are the two options. And there's not a lot of um, nuance there and it, but for happy, you can say joyful, you can say elated, you can say, I mean, you've got 25 choices, but for sad, you have one and it's, it is, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's powerful because it it just shows how much we value The pretend, you know, pretend to be happy, pretend, put on that good show, um, stay out in the, in the den with your family on the couch and battle through it. You'll be okay. You know, and and that's not, it's not reality. It's not reasonable. And so it, it, I, I really, I love that. I love, I also love that you said you had to get dark. Like the, everything had no stimulation, like everything had to go away for you to feel like you could process then, then you could get, you know, get things back to square for you. That's really, that's really powerful.
2: Yeah. It's still a phrase I use, um, where I'll, I'll tell my wife, um, I got to get dark for a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like where I just have to no, like you said, no stimulation just lights off mm-hmm. and just close my eyes and and just be silent and feel um, yeah, my brain is going so many different directions and then like my mind is just kind of being blown right now. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. yeah, one thing that I wanted to mention on this topic, and then I want to make sure we have time to talk about podcasting, but I think that there's not a lot of awareness of how to be with another person who's in grief or sadness or discomfort, And I just wanted to mention uh, all the work that Brene Brown has done on this. So that if, if anybody's listening and you recognize that you're uncomfortable being with someone who's in discomfort, there are books and ways that you can learn, like you were talking about, that it's not empathetic to say, well, it must have been in God's plan, or at least you got this or right? Those are not helpful responses that what somebody needs when they're in grief or sadness or discomfort is presence. And how do you bring that to someone else? How true. And,
1: and the act of listening or Mm -hmm. asking questions, digging in and um, saying, what does that mean for you? Kind of things that I think are so critical. Um, One of the things that we've lived this month is uh, the idea that Will you let us know if you need anything? Oh, oh okay. I have no idea what that. Is. I mean, there's so that world is so giant that I I sure will. No clue how I will figure that out. But that that concept of we feel like we have to offer, and especially living in the south, we feel like we have to bring food. You know. Let's, let's fill up their bellies and that'll help them get past their emotions, you know, but it's that kind of concept that we, we, we feel like we have to do something. We have to perform. We have to act. And it just goes back to your point. That's so beautiful that you don't just Mm -hmm. sitting, just being present, just asking how they're doing is giant. It's such a, a, an amazing gift for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just
2: being.
0: Yeah, just being there. Yes, Yes, it's even okay to ask somebody, okay, I see that you're crying. Do you want to be touched or do you want to be left alone? Yeah. Right, that's okay. You don't have to know how to treat someone because I know for me, I don't want anybody to touch me when I'm crying or processing, but I know for another person, they want to be snuggled and held. We're all different and it's okay to have those conversations about what we need.
2: Right.
1: And yeah. to figure it out if they, if somebody doesn't know you know to get there yeah it's so so important and again yeah, not what so, we were taught
2: yes but <laughs> yeah. my, my that's one thing and and I never thought anything about it until you just said that Mindy that's one thing that my wife Sandy does when she sees me struggling she'll ask me do you want to do you want a hug or do you want to be left alone because there's times where she'll hug me and I'll push her away and I'll get upset you know, and then there's times when she won't and I won't say anything and then I'll get upset, you know, so it's like she's stuck between a rock and a hard place, you know, but now that she asked that, I think that's such an important thing.
0: Yeah. So thank you guys. I love that conversation. Let's move on to talking about podcasting because I want to make sure that we have time to do that. And it's such a fun journey. So tell us a little bit about where you're at. You mentioned that you were going to start a podcast. How'd you get here? What made you want to start one? Tell us what you're up to.
1: Yeah, I I originally was gonna write a book about our infertility journey. My husband never really liked to call trying to have a baby trying because he thought that sounded like we weren't be we weren't able to do anything. You know, it didn't feel as as uh, meaningful as another word. So he said he called it making a concerted effort because that's the kind of brain my husband has. So we we would joke about people saying to us, oh, well, gosh, I got pregnant and I wasn't really trying. And I was going to name the book Really Trying. And that was going to be the, the concept of the book, that there are myths and there are uh, ways. And I still might do that. But anyway, that's how I... And I started to think about it and thought, but that could apply to so many things, not just fertility, but it could apply to trying to find the right house or trying to find the right mate or the right job or the right degree in college or anything. You know, there's so many decisions that we make in life where we think we have to be able to put a pin in it and it be precise. And so I thought it would be a good concept to have an ongoing conversation. Then the, the more I thought about it and the more I Cogitated, or whatever you want to call it, I thought, what if I could talk about the journey that people go through, but how it came full circle for them and how it came around to being their ultimate good and how they could look back at it and say, wow, that was incredibly hard. I didn't think I would live through that, but yet here I am. And there's all this that came from it too, and so I felt like there was more to be, more to, more mm-hmm. to add on to it. I guess that that really trying was going to be a great conversation, but that this makes it that much more powerful. How can I give hope to somebody that is in the same trenches that I have been in before, or that my guest has been in before, whatever that looks like? So mm-hmm. that's the goal. Um, my maiden name is Dunn. D.U.N.N. So the name of the podcast has been there, done that, and we're gonna uh, really focus on how to how to look at your past not as as the mistakes or the challenges, but as how I got you to here. Yeah,
0: that's gonna be great, and Thanks. it's kind of perfect that we had this conversation on grief because when you said that, what came up for me was. when you get to that level of acceptance or as Mary Oliver says, finding the gift in the box of darkness, right? And then you're also still in grief, right? How do you do both those things at the same time? Because they seem like opposite things, right? Like, oh, once I realized that this was a gift, the grief journey's done, right? Right. But how do they continue Uh to go together? I think that's an interesting conversation.
1: Yeah. And I think that is the way it works. It's Mm -hmm. just that we've not been told that we've been taught, you know, emotions, big emotions are hard and you squash them down, stick them somewhere else. You know? Um, and so I think there's a lot of, of power in just knowing you don't have to do it perfectly. Um, one of my favorite phrases is falling forward that, you know, you don't, don't fall backwards, fall, fall in the direction you want to go in and, and keep, uh, keep moving. And that's, that's what I think is, even if you don't feel like it, you don't have to move if you don't want to, but I'm saying continue to keep, to keep making even baby steps if you have to, to, to keep yourself from getting stuck. So,
0: yeah. 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 I'm excited. Yeah, there's a bit of actually freedom in that. And I'll explain what I mean. So I was in a really bad car accident eight years ago, and I can see all the beautiful things that came from it. And then there's this sense that if I accept them fully, that I'm somehow betraying all of like my grief or my sadness or my lingering PTSD around driving or right. Like I have to choose one or the other. And so even in this conversation, really recognizing that they both exist, that I'm free to feel both of those things completely. So that
1: is, true. That's
0: It's good. It's a f- feeling of freedom and empowerment. And it's, it's navigating, right? I mean, knowing that you can
1: feel too, or 12 emotions at once is, is freeing, but it's also a little daunting. How do I give each of them space? And how do I make sure that I'm acknowledging every, we're just doing, we're just doing it. We're just humaning. And that's what I feel like is the, the, the ultimate message is that Mindy's way is different than Keith's way is different than Angela's way, but it's still, we're still doing it. We're still, um, Doing our best together and and making making that work. My therapist asks me not to say that I'm doing my best all the time because it it feels very defeatist to me. So um, I say um, I'm freaking awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> no matter what's happening, we just like I'm just I'm freaking
0: awesome. So we're just gonna go with it. <laughs>
2: that's
0: yeah, that's great. So with your upcoming podcast, where are you at? Are you going to take guests right away? Are you starting it just by yourself? Where are you at sort of in the practical parts of the journey? I'm going to, I know I'm going to take
1: guests, but I do love the idea of starting off just sort of telling my story in a few episodes and maybe that'll ebb and flow too. It'll start with me and me in the middle or whatever, Um, but um, I feel like I want, to kind of start there, have the starting line sort of be my story and then uh, be able to grow from there. Um, but I do have a couple of guests lined up already and I'm I'm super excited just to hear how other people have, again, I say full circle, but I mean just come back around so that you can see it from a different perspective and. And uh, be able to uh, to see things in a different light, and not focus on the pain or the mistake that we are so ingrained to look at. Um, learn from your mistakes and move on from them, but we don't really have a way to process that and be able to move forward at the same time. So, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of good that will come from it
0: for sure. Yeah, that balance is something Keith and I talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why we connected was because um, there's a lot of life coaches out there who sort of are selling this idea of perpetual happiness, which is not even possible. <laughs> and it's not healthy, <laughs> right? Not even, and, not even close. <laughs> right. And so Keith and I both have a similar philosophy about feeling all your feelings, but I think there's such a balance to learn what is dwelling and what is fully feeling right what is keeping my mind on the positive and what is um ignoring my feelings in the face of like masking positivity and i think that journey is so nuanced and like you said it changes for every person right that's an important piece too and i find sometimes you know, I'm going too far into dwelling. And then I'm like, ah, oh, okay, Mindy, that you're, you've gone past just feeling this. <laughs> now you're retelling the story over and over in your head to activate a feeling that you don't need to feel anymore. Right. You can, you can move on and change the thought and the story in your head.
1: So, so, so real. And it's so um, important to realize and to get there, um, to be able to have that awareness. And I really feel like that's the key is just to be able, even though you might not like what you're looking at, just sit and be, and sit there and look within that's, it is, it's really difficult, but so worth it. Right. I mean, you get the, the, the enlightenment of yourself instead of, you know, this, this, ethereal thing that everybody talks about what outside of you, but to have it within yourself is so, so, so big. So I, I love that. I love it. Yeah.
2: That was one of the biggest, um, joys that I had in watching the changes happen in, inside of myself, where I would, like you said, many start, start to like dwell in, in depression and then it would hit me. Oh, I'm I'm depressed, but mm-hmm. all right, great. And then I would have, you know, I would still feel the the sorrow, but I would be happy. And it was such a weird thing. I'm like, I'm depressed, but I'm happy. And I almost I don't want to say I came to enjoy the feeling or or i I enjoyed the fact that I can still I can feel those two things because it took at the same me,
1: time. yeah, yeah, took the
2: power away from the depression, away from the sorrow
1: that's big that's big i mean that to me is the is the crux of it Mm. to be able to not give your power to something else that's so
2: so cool
0: yeah
2: yeah i mean all the years i would spend building when you said a dwelling like you know building a brick house you know prison of all of these horrible carefully right (laughs) Yes. And, yeah, like you know, like old cartoons laying the yeah. brick and mortar and everything and yeah. you know, I'm splashing it on there. And yeah. Yeah, it was it was living in a prison, you know, but now I can I can feel it and it doesn't have to shut me in. Um I still might isolate a little bit, you know, but I'm still like just in this very good place, very like just happy.
1: And the fact that you can take that experience and then teach someone else and pass that along and pay it forward is giant to me and that's what I've struggled with the most is well who wants to hear what my story is like that feels small (laughs) in comparison to so many other folks out there that have had so much more hardship or so much more pain than I have but I still have the ability to connect to someone and that is that's the goal so I, I do think it, it's all about perspective because it's all about mm-hmm. you could connect to somebody differently, Keith, than I can. Mindy can, can connect to somebody differently than I can. And it's just about that that ability to be able to reach out and hold someone's hand when they really need it.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, and like, I just wanted to say, we always say there is no hierarchy to trauma. Yes. It doesn't matter what you experienced, If you experience it more than the person next to you, everybody's different and you don't ever have to shrink away because someone else has experienced more pain. Yours is still
2: valid.
1: Yeah. That's been absolutely my experience with parenting for sure that we lost our child and then we had a miscarriage and then we had the triplets and everybody says, well, wow, you paid for one and got three. And I think, hmm that's not quite how it went, (laughs) but thanks. And so it's that same concept that you think you, you think you can see all of it. You think you understand, or I remember pushing things away. People would say, are they natural? And you think, and you want to answer them normally. You want to be excited about what you're answering and you don't want to say anything crazy in front of your kid, but People say all the time things or ask questions and they don't understand that 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 triggered me when that happened, that triggered me because I feel less than I feel less than because I wasn't really trying. You know, I, I had to try 10 times harder than the average bear to have a baby. So, you know, it's those kinds of things that we wrap around those words and it is a hundred percent with you. It, it it can even be a happy blessing that you then wrap an inferiority complex around somehow. <laughs> yeah. I've managed to do it. Welcome to the world of Angela. I've managed to <laughs> turn a blessing into a, a crazy
0: conversation in my own head. So
1: <laughs> yeah, and go. like you
0: said that trying, I think mm-hmm. whether we see somebody easily get the job we want, easily have the marriage we want, easily we think, oh, something must be innately wrong with me because they're able to get it so easily. And that's just not true. Right. It's just not true. Right. Not at all. And you have no idea what else is
1: happening, what happened behind the scenes, what that what is happening in their heart. You don't know any of that. So it is, it's, I love this part of, of this journey because I love getting to know other people and getting to know their stories and being able to relate even mm-hmm. though I didn't have a traumatic car accident. I wasn't in the military. I can still relate to the two of you and vice versa. And we can say, how is this alike? And how is this different? And how can we help each other? It's so cool. So, so cool.
0: Yeah, because like you said, we're all humaning. And this is what it means to be humaning.
1: Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you mentioned... pre-interview when we were chatting before we hit record Mm -hmm. something about what you want for the world let's end on that note what do you want for the world right now we're at an interesting place in history and I think that's a very interesting question (laughs) very very interesting
1: place and one that none of the three of us have actually lived through before right and so we're we're learning from our ancestors and from our history books that may or may not be real, but that's another podcast episode, but we can, we, you know, those kinds of things that we all are processing and figuring out as we go. And for me, the, the key that I want to share is hope. Um, because I, I feel like it begets so many of our other, uh, bolstering emotions, um, not just blatant happiness, but I just mean that from that comes faith and love and, the vulnerability that we need to be able to to reach each other and to connect a dot, even if we don't think there is a dot to connect to, that that to me is the is the 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 link in the chain that will get us there. So yeah, hope.
0: I remember during COVID, I saw you know a little meme on the internet, and it said something like. Maybe this isn't the darkness of the tomb. Maybe it's the darkness of the womb. And I thought, like, oh, that's so beautiful, right? Like, darkness doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to hell. It can mean that it's about to be rebirthed. Yeah, oh God, it feels so much better
1: to believe that, <laughs> right? So let's think positively, maybe you know. And this being my first experience being on a podcast, thank you both so much for being so uh, open and kind. um, And I did the same thing in my own head, getting ready to be on your show and to say, okay, but what if I say something really dumb? What if just like the goofiest word vomit comes out of my mouth? And then, but what if it's awesome? What if it's really meaningful and what if you connect to two new people that you would never meet otherwise because they live across the country from you what if that happens and that's to me the best message so yeah absolutely
0: yeah and it kind of goes back to you're like I'm awesome because I'm showing (laughs) even if you don't believe it just say it
1: and then it makes you laugh because your brain says wow that was bold you know it's something you laugh and then you you move past it that much faster it is it's it's it may be a trick but if it works then hey i'm all for it (laughs)
0: i'm all for it yeah any last minute words that anybody wants to add before we wrap it all the way up
2: i i would just like to to say thank you while we're still recording um like, like you said, the the fight in your mind prior to, you have already helped me um, look at grief in a different way. And I, I truly believe that whatever path you take, but like the podcast, books, you are going to not only help people, but I believe with all of my heart, you are going to save people.
1: Thank There's you something so special
2: much. about your perspective on this and your take on this that amazes me and just Thank, thank you for you. Me.
1: that is thank you I cannot thank you enough for that that is beautiful to hear and um, we can come back to this we have it recorded now so we can come back to it later and you can say see I told you yes <laughs> you should yes. never have doubted
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you you. so much. And thank you to all of our listeners. It was a really great episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Please support us by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review or comment. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love to explore life and what it means to be human with you. Please email us at chasingthoughtspodcast at gmail.com.